Hi everyone, I'm Anthony Greco, Director of Exhibits and Interpretive Planning at the Buffalo History Museum. Today's story involves a person who's become a household name in the U.S. and around the world, Nikola Tesla. Now, when we hear that name, we probably think of something else. Maybe Elon Musk, or his sleek and desirable electric cars, or even his company's local gigafactory located along Buffalo's South Park Avenue. But let's take a look back a little further, a lot further actually, and take a look back to the man behind the name, a man whose inventions and theories quite literally electrified the world. As the clock struck one minute after midnight on November 16, 1896, the first electrical current was sent from Niagara Falls to Buffalo, forever changing Western New York. Buffalo, then the eighth largest city in the country, was among the first to benefit from the commercial production of hydroelectric power. This electricity would revolutionize industry as well as daily life for the city's 352,000 plus residents. Not only would electricity illuminate homes and businesses, but it would also allow factories the freedom to be located further away from traditional power sources and would give rise to the popular use of electrical home appliances, greatly improving quality of life. Through the efforts of the day's top engineers, along with a limitless supply of immigrant laborers, Buffalo would lead the charge into 20th century innovation. The story of those who harnessed electricity has gained traction in pop culture in recent years. There was even a major motion picture made about it back in 2017 entitled The Current War. This story of late 19th century innovation pitted famed American inventor Thomas Edison and his preferred direct or DC current against American engineer George Westinghouse and his preferred alternating or AC current. You see, the transmission of electricity over great distances requires high voltage to push current through wires. Yet using high voltages in homes can be dangerous. Using a transformer, alternating current can be stepped up to high voltages for transmission or stepped down to lower voltages for manufacturing and domestic uses. This can't be done with direct current. Westinghouse preferred the former, and Edison the latter. Now on that fateful day back in November of 1896, 
the electrical transmission that was sent the 30 miles from Niagara's Edward Dean Adams power station to Buffalo was generated by Westinghouse's AC current. But the technology behind the transmission was the product of noted Serbian inventor Nikola Tesla. Tesla was born into a Serbian family on July 9, 1856 in Smiljan, a rural village in Croatia, then part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. His father, Miljetin, was an Eastern Orthodox priest, a teacher, and a poet, a profession he would later try and impress upon Nikola, to no avail. His mother, Georgina, is cited by Tesla as being his inspiration for innovation. As Nikola was coming of age, he watched his mother craft her own goods, spin her own thread, and tailor her own original designs. In his autobiography, Inventions, Tesla wrote of Georgina, My mother was an inventor of the first order. She invented and constructed all kinds of tools and devices and wove the finest designs from thread, which was spun by her. Nikola's curious spirit can be traced all the way back to his childhood. Once, when he was just a boy, he believed he could jump from a great height with an umbrella and take flight. This belief was short-lived, however, and resulted in only minor injuries. Now, although Tesla's early life contained a number of lighthearted stories like this one, he also endured his fair share of struggle. For example, when he was only seven years old, he witnessed his older brother, Dane, die from an accident involving the family horse. He was only 12. According to Nicola, this trauma caused him to experience intense visions. According to PBS's Tesla Master of Lightning, the early years, while the budding inventor received education in Croatia, he was, quote, able to perform integral calculus in his mind, prompting his teachers to think that he was cheating. During this period, Nikola saw a steel engraving of Niagara Falls. In his imagination, there appeared a huge water wheel being turned by the powerful cataract. He said to an uncle that he would go to America one day and capture energy in this way. 30 years later, he did exactly that. At the age of 19, Tesla enrolled in a polytechnic school in Gates, Austria, with the hopes of becoming a math and physics teacher. During his time there, he was exposed to inventions like the Gram machine, an electrical generator that produced direct current, named for its inventor, Belgian engineer Zinobe Theophile Graham. Immersive experiences like this led Tesla away from life as a teacher and put him on the path toward innovation. His intense desire to improve this machine would inspire him to create the world's first induction motor. After working at the Central Telephone Exchange in Budapest, Tesla traveled to Paris in 1881 and spent three years working with electrical lighting companies. Then, in 1884, he moved again, 
this time leaving Europe for America. Settling in New York City, Tesla spent time working in Manhattan for Thomas Edison. But his employment with the famed inventor ended based on a deal made in bad faith. You see, Edison had promised Tesla a $50,000 bonus if he improved Edison's direct current dynamos. However, when Tesla had, in fact, improved the initial design, Edison claimed the offer had been made in jest. Adding insult to injury, Edison teased, quote, when you become a full-fledged American, you'll appreciate an American joke. In response to Edison's jest, Tesla resigned, leaving him unemployed and impoverished. He resorted to digging ditches for $2 a day in order to survive the bustling city. Looking to improve his conditions, Tesla attempted to stir up excitement among investors by promoting a number of his patents, including his method for practical arc lighting. In December of 1884, he established Tesla Electric and Manufacturing, based out of New Jersey, in a partnership with financiers Robert Lane and Benjamin Vale. However, within two years, the company went under, and Tesla's patents were forfeited to his financial backers, as he had, quote, assigned them to the company in lieu of stock. Tesla's fortune began to change later that year. You see, he had developed an induction motor that ran on alternating current. His motor created a polyphase current to generate a rotating magnetic field, which turned the motor. Tesla patented the design in May of 1888 and immediately began advertising his invention in technical publications. Soon after patenting his motor, he showcased its abilities at a symposium for the American Institute of Electrical Engineers in New York City. There, he gained the attention of representatives from the Westinghouse Electric Company. The company's founder, George Westinghouse, was a proponent of alternating current and a bitter rival of Thomas Edison. Edison, having a corner on the market with his direct current, had no intention of losing out on his massive royalties to Tesla and Westinghouse and their alternating current. In an attempt to discredit his rivals, he embarked on a campaign to show the world the dangers of AC current. During these demonstrations, Edison would use alternating current to electrocute stray dogs and cats, saying that these animals were Westinghoused. Along with these demonstrations, Edison took any chance he could to discredit the safety of AC generators in the press. A local example from November 1887 involved Edison responding to a letter from Buffalo dentist and future inventor of the electric chair, Alfred P. Southwick. Southwick was interested in a more humane way to carry out the death penalty than hanging and was curious as to which electrical current was more effective to achieve this end result. In response, Edison took this opportunity to share which current would provide certain death. Quote, the most effective of these, he wrote, are known as alternating machines, manufactured principally in this country by Mr. George Westinghouse. 
Now, in Edison's mind, he had dealt another blow to Westinghouse, although his grand effort would ultimately prove unsuccessful. Alternating current would soon prove to be the superior technology. Westinghouse knew full well the competition that he and Edison were engaged in. In an article printed in the North American Review in December of 1889, he wrote, quote, the struggle for the control of the electric light and power business has never been exceeded in bitterness by any of the historical commercial controversies of a former day. After recognizing the superiority of Tesla's polyphase induction motor, Westinghouse negotiated a licensing deal to acquire its production rights. He also hired the inventor to be a consultant at the company's Pittsburgh lab for one year. There, he would help create an AC system to power the city's streetcars. Now, what seemed a lucrative arrangement didn't last, however. In 1890, the near insolvency of London's Barings Bank caused a ripple effect in the world economy. In the US, the Barings crisis caused the 17th largest decline in stock market history. Westinghouse Electric, which had spent large amounts of money buying other companies and patents, was put in a precarious situation as creditors came calling. Now, Tesla was faced with two options. He could either restructure his deal with Westinghouse and accept less money, or stand by and watch as the company, along with his royalties, fell into the hands of the banks. Opting for the lesser of two evils, Tesla agreed to restructure his contract, and as a result, relinquished his royalty rights completely. Now, while this decision was surely financially painful, the partnership allowed Tesla's AC-powered motors to come to fruition. And in turn, the pair secured a very important contract, the one to provide power to Chicago's upcoming World Columbian Exposition of 1893. Together, Tesla and Westinghouse would illuminate the White City. Now, of course, the only competition in securing the contract had been the newly formed General Electric Company, which had been formed in 1892 through a merger of Edison General Electric Company and the Thomas Houston Electric Company of Lynn, Massachusetts. Westinghouse worked tirelessly to develop ways by which he could illuminate the fair for the amount which he had bid. He also had to avoid patent lawsuits being pursued by Edison. In the end, however, the World Columbian Exposition and its over 20 million visitors were treated to the splendor of its electric lights. One of these visitors to the fair just happened to be the head of the International Niagara Falls Commission and Niagara Power Project, British physicist Lord Kelvin. Prior to their demonstration, Lord Kelvin fell on Edison's side of the current war. But after witnessing AC power on full display in Chicago, 
all skepticism of the method was quieted. Tesla and Westinghouse were offered the contract to extract electricity from Niagara Falls. Now, several decades after he envisioned a giant wheel harnessing the power of Niagara Falls, Tesla was tasked with converting the natural wonder into electricity. On Monday, November 16, 1896, the front page of the Buffalo Courier read, Niagara Power Here, turned on at midnight. Actually, the power had reportedly first been turned on earlier at 9.10 p.m. the previous night. However, the formal opening of the power line didn't happen until 12.01 a.m. The, quote, official first transmission was accompanied by a ceremonial 21-gun salute courtesy of the 9th Ward Polish-American Gun Squad, as well as a series of cannon blasts bursting along the Niagara River. While this pomp and circumstance took place outside, inside the Adams Power Station, the mood was more subdued. The manager of the Buffalo General Electric Company announced, time, while looking at his watch reading 12.01 a.m. At that moment, three heavy knife blade switches were closed swiftly, accompanied with small showers of sparks emitting from their new on position. Meanwhile, Buffalo Mayor Edgar Jewett was in place at the Buffalo Railway Company, where that first transmission of electricity was to be received. When the motors began to indicate that they were working, Jewett declared, the power is here. With the power officially turned on, Buffalo planned a celebration to commemorate the once-in-a-lifetime event. On January 12, 1897, the Cataract Power and Conduit Company held an official power banquet at the Ellicott Club, located on the top floor of the Ellicott Square building to commemorate the first electrical transmission. The event list for the event stretched down two columns of the Buffalo Evening News' front page and featured the city's most prominent businessmen and leaders. It also included a number of scientists and engineers who had dedicated their lives to the study and application of electricity. According to the Buffalo Commercial newspaper, quote, never before in the history of Buffalo was a gathering of such notables witnessed. Among those at the banquet were, quote, men with the power of millions upon millions of dollars and men with the brain power, which has converted the flash of lightning into the servant of mankind. In all, more than 400 attended the banquet. Guests wined and dined for two hours before the evening's lectures began. The party would boast several important speakers, including Mayor of Buffalo, Edgar B. Jewett, Charles W. Goodyear, second vice president of the Buffalo and Susquehanna Railroad, and of course, Nikola Tesla himself. The article continued on, giving special attention to the man whose mind had given rise to such potential. Quote, And the greatest of them all was there, the great and only Nikola Tesla. He was the sinusure of all eyes, and his face was a most interesting study. Long before the doors to the banquet room were thrown open, those circulating through the room of the club asked for the most famous man. 
Tesla is of very tall stature, the article continued, with a sharp profile, coal-black, wavy hair and mustache, and snapping, sparkling eyes. A fine forehead indicates the power of thought of the man who plays with electricity as a child plays with a toy, yet makes the little current do his every bidding. Mayor Jewett, in his speech, emphasized how truly significant this occasion was for Buffalonians, stating, quote, Buffalo is the gainer by the work of the men interested in the great work of harnessing the cataract. For she is so near Niagara Falls that the transmission of power is a demonstrated commercial success, and our city certainly has the most brilliant future. We certainly believe it is destined to become one of the greatest cities on the continent. When it was Tesla's time to speak, reporters noted that the six-foot-tall, slenderly-built man with darting black eyes made his way to the stage, which caused the room of prestigious guests to rise and applaud for the famous inventor. As he addressed the room, Tesla made a point to congratulate the city of Buffalo. Quote, we must all rejoice in the great achievement and congratulate the intrepid pioneers who have joined their efforts and means to bring it all about. It is a pleasure to learn of the friendly attitude of the citizens of Buffalo and of the encouragement given to the enterprise by the Canadian authorities. This fortunate city herself is to be congratulated. With resources now unequaled, with commercial facilities and advantages such as few cities in the world possess, and with the enthusiasm and progressive spirit of its citizens, it is sure to become one of the greatest industrial centers of the globe. The very next day, January 13th, Westinghouse was offered a lucrative contract for 5,000 horsepower dynamos and the switchboard apparatus. This contract, offered by the Cataract Construction Company, brought hundreds of thousands of dollars to Westinghouse Electric. Today, those of us in Western New York, along with New York City and parts of Canada, continue to benefit from the hydroelectric power plant stationed on the Niagara River. Industrial technologies greatly advanced throughout the 20th century. Instead of generating a mere 50,000 horsepower in 1896, the raw power of Niagara Falls today generates nearly 5 million kilowatts of energy for New York and Canada, enough to power almost 4 million homes. As for Tesla, the man who many claim, quote, invented the 20th century is recognized worldwide as one of history's great inventors. He would live out his life in New York City toying and tinkering with new inventions for the rest of his days. Sadly, on January 7th, 1943, Tesla died penniless, the way so many great minds have. Still, Tesla's memory is honored in and around our community. Several statues of the inventor can be seen throughout the area. A statue of Tesla sits on Goat Island on the American side of the falls in front of the entrance to the old Adams Power Station Number 1. In 1976, Yugoslavia gifted this installation to Niagara, making it the first dedication to Tesla anywhere in North America. On the Canadian side of the falls, a statue of Tesla erected in 2006 can be seen in Queen Victoria Park. 
More recently, in 2020, the city of Buffalo unveiled a statue of Tesla at the corner of Main and North Division Streets, which is now referred to as Nikola Tesla Park. Additionally, Adams Power Station No. 3, one of the original buildings from this first transmission of electricity, is still standing. Unfortunately, the other two were demolished in 1961. Okay, so before we close out the show, we thought it would be interesting to read an excerpt from Tesla's interview with Collier's Weekly in 1926. Quote, When wireless is perfectly applied, the whole earth will be converted into a huge brain, which in fact it is, all things being particles of a real and rhythmic whole. We shall be able to communicate with one another instantly, irrespective of distance. Not only this, but through television and telephony, we shall see and hear one another as perfectly as though we were face to face, despite intervening distances of thousands of miles. And the instruments through which we shall be able to do this will be amazingly simple compared with our present telephone. A man will be able to carry one in his vest pocket. We shall be able to witness and hear events the inauguration of a president, the playing of a World Series game, the havoc of an earthquake, or the terror of a battle, just as though we were present. We will also be able to listen to the Buffalo History Museum podcast and tell our friends about it. All right, I made that last part up. The Buffalo History Museum is sponsored by the National Endowment for the Humanities. The museum receives operating support from Erie County, the City of Buffalo, the New York State Council on the Arts, with the support of Governor Kathy Hochul and the New York State Legislature. Additional support is provided by m and Bank and from our donors, members, and friends. Today's episode was researched and written by the museum's own John Connolly, edited by Brandon Kennedy, and produced by me, Anthony Greco. Thank you all for listening, and be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and like Tesla said, tell your friends about the show. Have a great week and we will be back soon.